platformers have been with us for almost as long as video games have been with us. And we've talked about them plenty on Octal FM in the past. But in today's episode, we continue our Defining a Genre series and pick out some platformers that we think do just that. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we are back with another Defining a Genre episode. So mm. these are the episodes where we take a kind of historical look back over video game history to try and sort of pick out what we think are games of a particular genre or particular category or whatever that have sort of like moved the needle forwards, right? Like, like changed the, the shape of that genre mm. and also just video gaming in, in general, you know, sort of those like pinnacle moments in video games. Yeah, we found this in particular with this selection of games that although they certainly either define their genre or like help push their genre into a new direction, they also influence the gaming industry as a whole mm. and kind of like, you know, much later on down the line had a huge effects on Definitely. how games were just made in general. Definitely. Um, and yeah, so we're, we've picked out platformers this time. Uh, last time we did this was episode 99 and we talked about um, RTS, real-time strategy games. And this time we're not just going to rehash a previous episode we'd done without realising We're going to try our yet. best not to rehash an episode, <laughs> yeah. Um, we have done a few episodes about platformers though. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, and... So basically, this episode is going to be really short because actually it's just all it's just all the Mario games. That's of actually course. it. So, um, you know, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. You know, be sure to send us an email. And uh, yeah, no, OK, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We weren't paid by <laughs> Nintendo. So no, we will be talking about other games. But I mean, <laughs> it is very much the the elephant in the room sort of thing when it comes to platformers, right? And we could spend the entire episode talking about all the Mario games that, like, were influential towards both platforming and video gaming. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, like, we've done it before. Like, even in the most recent, one of the most recent episodes we did, we talked about, like, why Super Mario Bros. was important for gaming in the 1985 episode. Mm, But mm. then, like, we've talked about platformers and and Mario extensively in the past. So we're going to say, yes, Mario important, but other games, right? Exactly. Exactly. We're not, in fact, we're not going to cover any Mario games at all. We're only going to talk about other games. And we're going to go kind of chronologically. So this is not in sort of like priority order. Um, mm. Instead, it's in, in age order. And we also found that they, they sort of like cross between like platformer cross action or platformer cross puzzle, yeah, for example. Definitely. Like, unlike the RTS one, which I feel was sort of like they're all just RTS games. Yeah. These sort of like are platformers and usually. Yeah. Um, platforming games is a, is a broader genre, isn't it? You know, just in general, obviously. Yeah. But it's uh, like the action genre, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a lot of games that there's a lot of games, right? Just in this in this genre. But the first one that we wanted to sort of pull out and kind of talk about and dissect a little bit was the very first Prince of Persia. Mm. Um, 
which came out way, way back in October 1989. Man, I was. Yeah, only, we're not talking about I'm the Prince of Persia born. game on PS2. No, no. Which is, I think, what a lot of people think of when you say Prince of Persia, because yes. like that was the one that like most gamers sort of like were introduced to the series on. For me, the first one I played was the it was like an Xbox one. It was kind of cell shaded. Yes, yeah, that sort of had like a reimagining of the show of the series, yeah, didn't it? Like I really they had the that, Sounds actually, of Time but... trilogy where it had like that the PS2 era, mm. and then they kind of had a bit of a hiatus for a bit, and then they made the the, yeah. the new. Well, I think it was just called Prince of Persia was, rather than yeah, like Prince like of Persia Sands of Time or whatever. It was quite um, good. Do you recommend? But this is it was pretty good. I enjoyed it too. But this is the original Prince yeah. of Persia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, do you feel old? Ah, that's a long time ago. It was on everything, right? Like yeah. this was a it was a very pivotal game. It's also from that time where there were a lot of platforms. Um, mm. But even now, you know, the re- there's re-releases of it, there's remasters of it, you know, all of that kind of stuff, and. I think the thing about Prince of Persia, you really should, if you're listening to this, you, if you don't know what the original Prince of Persia looks like, you yes. should absolutely go and watch, Not don't look at screenshots, but watch like some video footage. Mm. And the reason why we, we've pulled out Prince of Persia here is because where you had things like Super Mario Brothers or Donkey Kong or whatever, Prince of Persia was really one of the very early, if not the earliest example of kind of adding cinematic storytelling mm to something that was actually a, a platformer which which traditionally is very like it doesn't need cinematics it doesn't need yeah. a story it's it's just it's arcadey you know yeah. it's it's an arcade game where you run and jump and collect power-ups get and get a high score yeah yeah and this was a no like there's a story and you know there's a cutscene at the start and the, there's a credits roll at the mm. beginning you know uh, very very kind of different from from other games of the time uh, it, it had cinematic moments within the gameplay yeah. as well itself like yeah. you'd have to run away from something that was about to kill right. you and you know make these sort of leaps of faith or mm-hmm. have these quite fun like surprisingly complex sword fights yeah. and you know this is a platform game like you say when you think of platform games from 1989 you think of things like you know super mario bros you know you think of donkey kong a little bit earlier than that but this is so different but yet still is a platform because much of the game's primary sort of gameplay loop comes from jumping between ledges and climbing up and down things you know absolutely and you know the the thing that's technically interesting is that this used uh rotoscoping so what they did is they actually took like video footage of it's like the guy's brother right is that there's the, cl- the classic story <laughs> that i like, took video footage of him running around you know white clothes uh and then traced over the video frames to to sort of make the animation allegedly that's because actually the 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 person working on it just was really bad at drawing and so actually like (laughs) this was the solution but the the effect especially for the time is like this very sort of real looking animation Mm. of like running and jumping because they actually did runs and jumps and 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 sword fights you know and and like fed that in and and did a reasonable job especially for 1989 of sort of chaining all that animation together yeah it looks really good and you can't believe that it was made at the same time as you know in 1989 you know yeah it it, it looks like it should have been made sort of like in the mid to late 90s yeah definitely absolutely and it inspired a lot of games it inspired a lot of you know similar kind of cinematic style games or games platform games that are telling telling stories uh i think a really strong one is another world 
Gold, which mm. also did some rotoscoping. You know, they, they're sort of very, very similar. But also things like, you know, one of my favorites, Braid. You know, it's absolutely, you can, you can see the inspiration in, in the animation. Uh, yes, you can see yeah. it in the, in the story. Yeah, platform puzzler, story, and, cinematics. And you yeah. brought up a good point as well when we were talking about this was like, even things like Tomb Raider and, and Uncharted, right, kind mm. of draw a lot of, a lot of inspiration from Prince of Persia. Because although those games are more about sort of the action of running around rather than the solving the puzzles, they still have puzzle solving and they're primarily still around these like cinematic set piece moments, mm-hmm. which I I, I, I don't want to say with absolute certainty because I'm sure there's someone that's going to prove otherwise, but I feel like Prince of Persia was probably the first game to do that. Yeah, I, I can't think. think of much else, but even if it isn't, it's certainly the game that defined that style mm-hmm. of gameplay, you know, yeah. like very influential on so many games and i don't think that the games industry would look anything like it does now without it like even like you know if you ignore platform games like you mentioned already but like like you say uncharted and tomb raider can definitely draw their lineage back to this i would say Mm, definitely but yeah that's that's why prince of persia belongs on this list and the next game sort of jumping ahead a few years um 11 years in fact did you do that jumping ahead on pun on purpose oh that would i didn't that would have been really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the the next game is sort of like a way of sneaking in, almost sneaking in Super Mario 64 in a way, kind uh, of. in my mind. And that's Banjo-Kazooie. Mm. I mean, I wanted to add it because although, yeah, like let's be perfectly honest, Mario 64 is arguably the more iconic 3d platformer because i think it basically invented Mm. 3d gaming and 3d platformers but banjo kazooie did one other thing as well which was it it defined and brought into sort of like popularity the collectathon yeah i sort of think like it depends on which side of the of the console wars fence you fall right because you because otherwise it's spyro right so between Mm. banjo kazooie and spyro the dragon right you basically you basically cover um this style of of game because they they must have been a similar similar kind of release time i think there was like two months between the banjo coming out just slightly earlier exactly exactly Um, so obviously one didn't really affect the other that much i wouldn't imagine um so like it probably just a bit of a coincidence and they both kind of just looked to looked at mario and then they looked at like games from previous you know this super nintendo era sort of thing and said Mm. let's do that in 3d yeah but yeah like like you say like the idea of having shed loads of collectibles right not only did it inspire future games from rare by sort of reusing that idea for things like donkey kong 64 and and conquers bad fur day but also the kind of like uh even now you know things like a hat in time and ukulele which is kind Mm. of a rare game and jack and daxter as well like all of that kind of sort of style of kind of like open worlds but and sort of just things to explore and even actually you know i sort of then look at something like super mario odyssey and Mm. i see a lot of things pulled from this kind of side of sort of more open more exploring the corners of the of the world than than something like like, a linear level to beat yeah like super mario 64 or sunshine or galaxy or whatever like odyssey galaxy specifically was the one i was thinking yeah yeah like odyssey really kind of pulls from from this side of the the sort of Mm. uh, 3d platformer world um the other thing that i I really love about banjo and i think is why it's defining 
a platformer game isn't just the collectathon point of view, but also the way in which it gives you lots of tools to explore the world. Because, mm, like, Mario right. was very, like, easy to move around, right, with Mario 64, and he had, like, you know, felt really good to control. But in Banjo, you had all these different techniques and these, right. these different, like, puzzle-solving kits and, you know, yeah. enemies to fight. And it just felt like Banjo was so much more varied with what you could do with him mm-hmm. and, and how you could approach situations. And then it also made revisiting areas of the game that you'd already beaten or mostly beaten interesting by giving you more abilities slowly over time yeah that's sort of almost metroidvania style right like it is the, a little bit yeah you know, in, a, in a weird way definitely much more than, than than something like mario 64 where you just you had the caps right that you you know that might yes. mean that you could go and do something in a like one specific task and that's yeah. kind of it whereas in in banjo and then subsequent similar games like you would learn a move and that would kind of change how you played from there on yeah i mean how, i mean yeah it's a really good point actually you kind of make the metroidvania connection there yeah um, definitely. In, the, in banjo 2 they even went even further with, with the idea that the levels were interconnected as well like you could go from sort of one world to yeah, another yeah. without going via the hub world in some instances yeah so that's kind of even more so the case. You could also split um, up, right, Banjo and Kazooie. They could be yeah, in, in separate Yeah, in places. number two, which so I just think it was really inventive with how it continued to expand upon the idea of a 3D platformer. Whereas I think Mario sort of like created it and sort of like, you know, presented what was possible. I think Banjo proceeded to sort of be more experimental and interesting in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in... Staying in the line of sort of interesting, um, the next one we came up with was, it's one that a lot of people haven't heard of. And if you have heard of it, it's a game that you've only like seen in passing. You probably haven't really played because this is a very old game by today's standards, I would argue, but still very relevant and very influential. And that's Cave Story. Mm, Yeah. Um, now, Cave Story is a really weird game because, like, unlike a lot of the games on this list, it, it has a very untraditional background mm. compared to a lot of the things on this list. In that, it was developed by just one person, no one else. It wasn't like a team collaboration or anything. It was just a single man over the course of about five years, uh, and he proceeded to invent his own uh, coding and program for music to make it. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, for the most part, inspired a lot of the the indie genre, I would mm. argue. So that's why, remember at the beginning of the show, we said, like, these games don't just define platforms, but they also define the game industry. And Cave Story, for me, is definitely one of the biggest ones in this instance. Like, mm. you could argue that without Cave Story, you wouldn't have had the indie boom of sort of like the, the two, 2010s. Mm. Right. And in terms of the platformer, it was it's kind of breaking from tradition a little bit because it, it does sort of, like, borderline on other genres too like it's a shooter rather than a platformer but it's also like lots of movement and jumping and there's a lot of jumping (laughs) a lot of jumping but there's also a lot of like smart navigation Mm. you know you have to be it's kind of similar to games like um i mean we're going to talk about these games later on this list actually they're not on this list but things like shovel knight and hollow Mm. knight and the way that you have to use your ability to like navigate the world rather than just jumping that you have to use them kind of creatively to sort of like move around but then it also is similar to things such as like Cuphead in the way that you move and jump. Like Cuphead's really important for moving and jumping, but it's also really important to keep shooting. So it's kind of like a combination of like the metal slug sort of like run and oh, gun. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, Metal Slug, I just didn't feel as a platformer, so that's why I not brought it up, but, you know, it, it is still kind of a run-and-gun game, hmm. but there's, in, in K-Story, you have that, and you also have to, like, navigate lots of obstacles, and, yeah, it's, it's just a really interesting mashup of very different genres, which I, I think you can see that it was very much created by one person who had this very specific vision in mind. He want, yeah. I want this kind of game, which is why it doesn't kind of fit into many, into a single genre in this instance. It's that um, Stardew Valley effect, isn't it? You know, like single developer. Exactly. Clear, you know, very yeah. distinct vision. Yeah. I mean, Stardew Valley, again, is another game that you can definitely kind of trace somewhat of his roots back to cave story mm-hmm. uh and the other big one that people like to compare it to is undertale as well like, oh, you know yeah, Und- undertale and cave story is so so alike in so many ways obviously not in terms of its gameplay but in terms of its like story and its presentation and the way it was created it's very very similar to one another and it also was a, a, one of the games that i think a lot of people in the west first experienced the idea of like the alt, multiple storylines that were kind of hidden away hmm. like obviously you had that in certain games right like where you could have the good ending a bad ending or whatever right but in k story there's i think is there something like 11 endings i think oh really i, I think i can't remember if it's 11 it might be less than that huh. but like there's so many multiple ways in the game that can be played out depending on your decision making mm-hmm. and even though this is a platform game yeah. you know Very like it has that sort of like visual novel style like japanese visual mm. novel style like decision making process where right. if you make the wrong yeah, yeah, choice yeah. you'll get like the different endings and stuff yeah. like that yeah so not only did this sort of like help define platformers as not having to just be about running and jumping but they can also be about like you know shooting and overcoming these different obstacles it also sort of like introduced more story elements to games so whereas like prince of persia had the the cinematic elements mm. cave story had this sort of like interactive sort of like role fulfillment like it's mm. almost like a role-playing game as well um built in it's, it's just it's, it's such a weirdly wonderful game which i don't think enough people have probably played and, and that's a, that's a real shame but yeah like it's just one of those games which i think was both inspiring to a lot of things and defining of its genre whilst being a really important and interesting influential part of the video game medium absolutely yeah i think of all the of all the games on this list cave story is the one that maybe you you know listening i think is the like you say it's the least the least well known one that is pretty well known from a little bit later on is super meat boy Which was originally kind of out in two thousand and eight. Yeah, um, but but this uh, one's a little murky. <laughs> yeah, because it's sort of it's from that kind of era of like games being released on Newgrounds or, or Congregate, where it was sort of like the original concept was there, and mm. then it gets expanded into a full game for some reason. Either they, either like the developers get approached to make a game, or they kind of turn it into a real game, and it's yeah. like, well, it's the same game, but they've just made it you know they've they've either dialed up the graphics or they've fleshed yes, it out yeah, into yeah, something yeah. bigger so it's like you know it's almost like that's like a beta release or a, or a test release or something i think the first game that i can think of that did that was probably alien hominid mm, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like that was that was new grounds as well yeah that, that was like the creator of new grounds if i remember rightly and it was like 2004 and then it sort of like had a proper like you know console release in like 2006 or something like mm, that mm. and then same with castle crashes which was also the same team you know so it has that sort of like indie like flash game roots to it definitely 
but then it didn't really see like proper like mainstream release until 2010 yeah when it hit was it xbox it would have been arcade xbox live arcade yeah, yeah yeah which i think was like that was sort of the the big like defining moment for the indie market really i would argue like outside of the pc genre like that's when indie games became very very prominent right yeah absolutely like the Microsoft really pushed it, especially on the 360, you know, and, and really pushed the kind of indie connection. And Super Meat Boy is absolutely one of those kind of like key sort of titles from that period, as well as um, Braid, which we've mentioned a couple of times mm. now. Yeah. So if you've not played it, Super Meat Boy, you know, quite different to all the other stuff that we've talked about. In fact, very different. It's sort of borderline puzzler. There's like, yeah, it's like an action puzzler. Yeah. Isn't it? There's like like hundreds of levels there's a lot of levels yeah yeah something uh, like that. Um, there's definitely a lot of levels and it's famous for being like really really difficult it takes a lot of attempts it's very kind of like skill-based uh, mm. sort of finesse very fast-paced platforming and uh, in fact you know you when you complete a level it shows you a replay of all of your pl- like run-throughs of the level combined kind of thing Dying to, all yeah, together all, except the one thing the one that makes it yeah exactly this inspired a lot of games there's you know either similar times or, or much later you know one that really springs to mind for me is celeste uh yes, in that, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the feeling of it is very similar to celeste lots of wall jumping and you know mm-hmm. avoiding obstacles and very similar physics feel to it very similar physics fast retries you know we've talked about that that this this is a, there's a thread it's always funny that you and i always bring this up about games that uh, have like a slow retry loop you know like it's like where mm. like you die and then there's like a pause and i can't remember what it was there was a game where we were like man if that was like half a second faster it would be okay yeah i remember having that conversation but i don't remember what the game i don't know was, i but... don't think it was celeste but it was there was there was a game definitely and super meat boy nailed it right it's so yeah. fast to come back um when you yeah. die like and you can respawn yourself as well yeah, so if you're like you can oh, just this it's not going to work cancel exactly. restart and it's almost instant i think it like is. i feel like it's like less than half a second yeah, or something it's basically instant uh there's other things as well things like um vvv vvv n plus plus or n pl- like n n plus n plus yeah. plus uh one of my favorites actually i had that on so like ds there was a ds version of that i really really liked the pc one and i played it on the uh, either ds or 3ds i think um and uh, yeah, I really, really used to enjoy that on, especially on PC. Mm. Similar sort of vibe, a little bit slower paced. But yeah, and it's sort of it's interesting because there were a lot of things a little bit like Super Meat Boy that came out kind of around the same time. It's very similar time, and some of them even had very similar roots to them as well, with either the the Newgrounds yeah, community yeah. or even just like a like an indie pc community yeah, you know? yeah. um like spelunky for example yeah. like kind of came out in 2008 but it kind of came out in 2010 and yeah you know like it's it sort of just has a very similar you can guess i suppose that this is sort of the industry that these guys were real all in there we were like seeing the the successes right. of the indie games in like xbox live arcade and they were like we need to do this with our game as well yeah which is th- sort of why it's hard to tell where which game took inspiration from what game but i guess it's also taking inspiration from the era as a whole right yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I definitely, I played a lot of Super Meat Boy. There's a new sequel coming out at some point. Allegedly. Been very, de- very <laughs> delayed. But the, the new sequel actually is, uh, unlike the original, you keep running forwards, like, like continuously, I think. Um, like this, they've reduced the amount of controls, which is a great segue into the final game on <laughs> this list. Good. I like it. Which, which, was, which was my specific choice 
uh, in particular. I don't know why I, I got uh, hung up on this, but I really wanted to talk, to touch upon cannibals. Mm. And Cannibalts is a game from 2009, uh, again, originally like a flash game on Congregate, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. And it's an endless runner. Uh, mm. And it's basically one of the first, you know, beyond sort of like rails on rails shooters and, you know, sort of arcade shooters or or like things like Outrun and stuff like that, which isn't endless, but it's sort of similar style. Yeah. Um, basically, the, the game is, you know, you, you're this unnamed office worker and you like jump out of a window of your office building and it's like you're like escaping the office and you start running along the rooftops and as you run you accelerate and there's like not really a limit to the acceleration so you just keep getting faster and faster it's just uh, your skills would not hit things and I'm there's guessing. like obstacles yeah so between things like gaps between buildings buildings that fall down when you land on them bombs coming down cardboard boxes all of this kind of thing and all of those things either slow you down or kill you and the goal is to like get a high score right that's that's yeah. all it is it's like a it's like a bragging rights high score kind of game which um, if it sounds familiar that's because it's been transpired into like a million mobile games yeah <laughs> and, and so this is why i wanted to talk about it because i feel like yeah okay it was originally a pc game and there are a lot of pc endless runners but this transitioned so well onto mobile and this is like early very very early kind of iphone days right so it's one of the first ios games that was kind of you know popular and like everyone played it you know it's like the one of the like ones you must download for yeah. 99 pence or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. um because it's a single button you know all you're yeah. doing is jump like we've talked about all of these platformers where you're maybe moving left to right and jumping or in the case of banjo kazooie it's like crazy complex because you've got loads of different moves yeah it's a um, whole 3d environment with moves to worry about at the same time yeah. but in cannibal it's literally just jump hmm. and that works so well on us holding in one hand pressing a button uh, and it absolutely, you know, it was one of the one of the first. It definitely popularized it, and it just immediately inspired so many things. Um, things yeah. like Robot Unicorn Attack, which is a great game, but also other mobile games. Things like Jetpack Joyrides, um, mm -hmm. which is by is it like Half Brick or something like that? Oh, oh that I don't was, know. <laughs> that was really the Jetpack Joyride was really really good. It's sort of like the heyday where, where like I feel like mobile games were they were cheap. Um, they had some marketing behind them. They were quite fun and quite sort of addictive, but you they had little time wasters rather than like either full on game releases or just Skinner boxes. Yeah, they weren't trying to like make you play them for the rest of your life. They were just trying to sort of like be addictive for the yeah. sake of being addictive. Also, like Temple Run, I think is the one that people really sort of know. Mm. That was very very popular. Obviously, it was three D rather than two D, um, but also coming full circle to where we started <laughs> yeah. super mario run right? yeah which is a which is a one button it's not an endless runner because you, you know the the level ends but i find it interesting that like in a way yeah okay you could argue now looking at at these kind of single button um, platformers and be like oh yeah it was a natural progression but you know, let's let's acknowledge that that Cannibal was was you know more or less the first to do it, um, yeah. and to show that it could be, you know, I think people were perhaps a little bit incredulous. You know, that like how can you have a game that that like 
doesn't has one button you know it's like mm. no controls uh and, and it's basically just oh, flappy bird as well oh my god like what a what a like similar similarity i mean as well. yeah it's, it's basically the same sort of game really yeah. and although it may not be quite as like complex as some of the games we've talked about that doesn't mean that it isn't a platformer and it hasn't defined that genre yeah. of platforming you know Absolutely. so it's still equally as important in a lot of ways like I think without like this game, for example, you wouldn't see those kind of interesting versions of it. Mm. And whether it be sort of like an endless run upwards or sideways, or if there's power ups or not, those still there is still some level of skill involved in it. And then mm. you know you can build on it from there to make a more complex game if you want to. But a lot of the times in the mobile market, especially complexity isn't necessarily what you want, mm. but simplicity and an ease of getting into people into the game. You know, like oh, that looks fun. I'll download that game too when someone sees it on their, fo- their friend playing mm. on their phone or something, you know. That is what you want. And that's not a bad thing, you know. Like, it, it may not be the most complex game in the world, but it's still really fun and really enjoyable to kind of do some time wasting with. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, actually, that, you know, that's that's all the games on our list and we that's only up to 2009, you know. And it's funny because we talked, actually, in a previous episode about sort of 3D platformers, right? And we were like, what's going on with 3D platformers? Mm. Um, you know, so it's really interesting that, I don't know if it's just like our experiences that mean that we've picked things only up to 2009 or whether it's sort of like... You know, I don't know. I'm trying to. I think of... one of the issues is that a lot of the games that came after that point were, were all quite directly inspired by these games. Mm. So, like things like Ukulele and A Hat in Time, right, were pretty obviously influenced by the the banjo era of games. You know, and then mm. games like Shovel Knight and um, Celeste were inspired by things like Cave Story and Prince of Persia. Mm. You know, uh, so. Although there's been more platform games since, and then you can also, like, it depends on if we're counting things like the Metroidvania style games, mm. whether we're counting things like the Contra slash, like, uh, Metal Slug style games as platformers, you know. So at that point, you sort of have to try and pick and choose genre definitions a bit, I guess. But also at the same time, I, I guess platforms is just, just one of those genre of video game which i think is just taking a back seat for quite a long time now outside of a few dedicated games that have it as part of its game rather than being all about the game and i guess also even if even though yeah there are obviously new platformers coming out we've sort of explored concepts here right and i think what we haven't seen and maybe we're wrong and maybe if so you should definitely tell us listener but like new concepts in platforming games does feel like it's dried up quite a lot um mm. it doesn't feel like we're sort of seeing you know, things that are like very dramatically different um, from from some of the stuff we've talked about. There's a lot of sequels, a lot of, like you say, things that are just directly inspired by other games mm. rather than things that are actually breaking a mold um, and defining a, a, a genre. But maybe we've missed one. Maybe we've missed a newer game. I would be that I would find particularly interesting if people are like, you, you, why are you not talking about? You clearly didn't think of this one, something. did you? Yeah. Uh, so please let us know. Um, it'd be great to, to chat about platformers some more because um, they are really fun. Uh, if anyone decides to say, say, why did we talk about a Sonic game? It's because Sonic games aren't really that good and you're just misremembering. <laughs> I will die on that hill for Sonic. <laughs> Is not what you remember send us your sonic trash talk emails to <laughs> uh show at octal.fm or send us the angry your angry sonic tweets to at octal.fm on twitter or send us your sonic facebook 
posts. <laughs> oh no, don't because there'll be Sonic fanfic posts. <laughs> I th- that's not the, the the fandom you want to get involved with. <laughs> Send all of those directly to Seth. Um, no, you're all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, facebook.com forward slash oxalfm for that. Yeah, it's been a good little trip down some memory lane, some just sort of digging through, you know, archaeological digging uh, into the archives of, of games that have kind of yeah, before. Yeah, I think what's been most interesting is to see how much of an effect these games not just had on their genre, but primarily on the whole industry. Yeah, and like, like even today, right? Even games. Yeah, today. like like we were talking about even the first game with Prince of Persia, like how influential that has been in so many ways. You know, mm-hmm. you can trace so many games' roots back to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I think that's kind of interesting how like this sort of original very old school genre of video game which has become a little bit sort of stagnant uh, and unrepresented nowadays is still this very important defining part of the gaming history definitely absolutely 100 percent uh but yeah like i hope you've enjoyed uh, that that little episode um it was it was good fun to put together kind of think about mm. some of these games mm. again like especially like cave story like that was awesome like <laughs> I, I i do want it's free go and play cave story it's completely free you can play it on pc for free i think it's like available on steam for like a couple of quid if you want to like you know donate some money to it or whatever mm. but yeah like go and play cave story yeah yeah, well, that's my that's a real takeaway from this. You should go and play Cave Story. Yeah, listening, you you don't know how how much Cave Story chat there was before this before <laughs> this episode began. It's, we should have called it Cave the Cave Story episodes brackets a little bit about platformers, defining as well. platformers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hope you've enjoyed this episode. And in the meantime, I've been Gelada, and I've been Saffron. And catch us again for another episode of Oxal FM very soon. I feel like that sentence doesn't make any sense in the meantime. It doesn't, but to be perfectly honest with you, people suspend their disbelief when listening to podcasts and they understand that that's just part it's of just the It's just a sign-off, isn't it? It's just worse. It is just a sign-off. You don't need to hear it. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't you're not, you sense. stop listening at that point, don't you? So. Pretty much. Most people either just press like, pause and stop listening, or they skip through to the end to make it so that their player knows that you finished listening mm. to it, even though you haven't finished listening to it because they don't want to listen to a signing-off rambling like this. Exactly. We're still here, listener. <laughs> yes, you, driving in the car right now, looking to try and put your next podcast on while this one's still playing in the background. There'll be one specific person that needs yeah, to. Yeah, that that works. And they'll be like, Ugh. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>